The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus passed through towns and villages, teaching as he went and making his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few people be saved? He answered them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. After the master of the house has arisen and locked the door, then will you stand outside knocking and saying, Lord, open the door for us. He will say to you, to you in reply, I do not know where you are from. And you will say, we ate and drank in your company and you taught in our streets. Then he will say to you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. And there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets of the kingdom of God, and you yourself cast out. And people will come from the east and the west and from the north and the south and will recline at table in the kingdom of God. For behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today, someone asks Jesus a question, as he often does, he doesn't really answer it. He, uh, he gives some other information, and, and the reason why he doesn't directly answer it is because often that's not the real question. It's not the real problem that's going on. And so today, someone asks him, will only a few be saved? And perhaps when I hear that, I think of, like, what percentage, right? Are 5% going to be saved? Are 20% going to be saved? Is it 90%? Well, only a few, right? What's, how, how many? But that's not really the question that we see that Jesus responds to. He doesn't directly respond to that. I would say there's two deeper questions that are happening here in this, in this question. First of all, the question of, will I be saved, right? Really, that's, that's part of his question. Will only a few be saved? Will I be saved, Right? And that should be a question that we have ourselves, right? The other question that's kind of involved within it, um, I think, is this idea of kind of only a few be saved. Will only we be saved? Uh, in the Jewish as well, in the Jewish uh, kind of um, religion, as well as, of course, we uh, take on uh, the tradition of Judaism and uh, in Christianity, our, our history is uh, Jewish. Um, Israel is chosen as God's people in a particular way, in a special way. And so they're chosen out of all the nations of the earth to particularly be his. And so sometimes when that happens, it can be a selfish type of choosing. And to be able to say, hey, God chose us, right? Everybody else, well, we don't care about you, but we're chosen, right? Whereas we see that that's not God's desire for Israel. God doesn't choose Israel itself to be an isolated nation of salvation. But instead, we hear in the first reading, and we hear it throughout the prophets, that he has chosen Israel particularly 
not to be isolated, but instead to be a light to the nations, to be that means of particularity to bring salvation to others. He does not desire his particular salvation to be with only a few or one nation or one people, but with all people. And so I think in the modern day, we can as well fall into a similar trap or similar uh, problem that the Israelites had of will only a few people save? Well, certainly we're part of the club. We're part of the Catholics, right? Catholics will be saved. The few, but, you know, not everybody else, right, Jesus? Whereas Jesus doesn't give that response. He says, no, strive to enter through the narrow gate. In, in the, again, in the, in the Jewish context, it was enough to just be Jewish, to be saved. It was a communal understanding of salvation that one lived and died by the community. The community was saved or lost as a whole. We understand that that's not the case for us. There is a communal aspect to salvation, a communal aspect to faith, Absolutely. But we can't rely on salvation because our grandmother was a really holy woman who prayed a lot. That is not enough for us. It's not enough that we were baptized Catholic. It's not enough to be part of the club. Jesus tells us to strive to enter through the narrow gate. Because unfortunately, if, we tr- if, we, if our relationship with the Lord and with God is more of one of acquaintanceship, of saying, hey, we ate and drank in your company, right? We came to Mass. We received communion. We ate and drank in your company, right? We know who you are. We saw you teach. We heard your priest preach, right? And, and, and tell us and teach us about you, right? Don't you, don't you know us, right? And Jesus is saying, that's not enough. That's not enough to just be an acquaintance, to just hear the word, but we need to become disciples. We need to become disciples, ones who walk along with Jesus, who actually become like Jesus. Uh, The term Christianity is, being a Christian is a great thing for us uh, to really think about because being a Christian, we should be little Christ's. Right? We should be like Jesus in everything that we do. And what is Jesus? What is the heart of who Jesus is? Jesus is someone who walked among us and taught us about the love of God the Father. And in response, that he loved God with all his heart, mind, body, and soul, and loved neighbor as himself. Right? Being a disciple of Jesus was not just following him in the sense of from place to place, to campsite to campsite, from town to town. It's about following what he does, right? How he acts. Now, it's not discipleship of being a cookie cutter, right? We don't have to look like Jesus, right? In the exact same way. This isn't a discipleship of cookie cutterness, right? Of the only one way of holiness, This is about becoming like Jesus ultimately in the way that he, again, loved God and loved neighbor. And so in this discipleship, though, in order to be able to love God and love neighbor, in this discipleship, there's an aspect of following closely, imitating him, 
And also, I would say one of the more difficult parts is discipline. In order for us to actually become like Jesus, it requires discipline. Now, the second reading speaks a little bit about this. It's talking about uh, when we, um, there's different types of discipline. There's some discipline that we ourselves choose, and there's other discipline that's put upon us, right? And in the second reading, it's actually talking about the discipline that's put on us. And it says, for whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Now, we initially think of that, and and I love this, this line a little bit further. It says, all discipline seems a cause not for joy, but for pain. And we're like, yeah, I don't want to be disciplined, right? I don't want to have to experience that. Like, spare me, Lord, right? But why does the Lord discipline? He doesn't do it because he has a disdain for us. He doesn't discipline us because he doesn't love us. He disciplines us because he loves us, because he actually cares about us. A father who doesn't care isn't going to discipline. He's going to say, do whatever. You do you, right? But God loves us enough to actively engage in our life. And it says, all discipline seems a cause not for joy, but for pain. Yet later, it brings the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And we experience this in many different ways in our life, right? Uh, I experience it, you know, I think the... The sports are, are in the kind of the physical life is a good analogy to the spiritual life. And I know many times at the start of football and wrestling season, when trying to get back into shape and running sprints and doing all these other things was, and that discipline was very painful. And I was like, I don't know why this is happening, right? This is, this is not worth it, right? And then later on, as the season went, as I, you know, again, actually got in a shape, learned from that discipline, then there was that fruit, right? And similarly, in the spiritual life as well, there are times of discipline. There are times of difficulty and struggle, uh, but that's not the end of the story, right? The end of the story is ultimately becoming like Jesus Christ, becoming disciples of him, to strive always to enter through that narrow gate. Because the worst thing is, is again, if at the end of our life, Jesus says, yeah, I don't know you. But we ate and drank in your company, right? We were Catholic. We went to Mass. Yeah, but I I don't know you. Um, The way that we become known by God, the way that we strive to enter through that narrow gate is by becoming disciples of him. And that does require discipline in our life. And certainly one of the disciplines is to come to Sunday Mass. Certainly, absolutely. Uh, that's kind of a, a, the, the basic level, right? Of kind of the precepts of the church and other things. But that's not what we're shooting for. If, if that's it, we might not be striving enough to enter through that narrow gate. We need to pray every single day. We need to seek the Lord in all that we do to become like him, to become Christians and lights in this world encourage you. I, I know it's incredibly difficult in the busy life in the modern world that we live in to pray, but we need to pray every day. Every day. We need to strive to enter through that narrow gate and make the time. And whether it's, it's a, just a decade of the rosary, reading a chapter of scripture, or praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet, 
what are we doing every single day that, again, allows us to strive to enter through that narrow gate? The Lord loves us. Jesus Christ loves us so much that he became one of us and showed us the path to holiness, how to strive and enter through that narrow gate and to love the Lord and neighbor so much as to lay down his life. We're called to follow him, to be his disciples. We have some basics down, and that's great, but we have more to continue to strive throughout our entire life. Today, we get to witness a baptism. And we're so grateful for that because it reminds us of our own baptism, where maybe we didn't get to make that choice. But as we grew older and we received First Communion, we got to make that choice. And every single time that we come to Mass, we make that choice to strive, to accept the Lord into our life. And uh, part of the baptism isn't just the baptism. It's what that journey that starts, right? That start of that journey of discipleship, of learning to hear the Lord and to act on his word. And so let us take the example of Philip today uh, and remind ourselves uh, of our own baptism and continue to seek him uh, just as he will in his life.